Welcome to Tapping the Keg with me, Clayton Keg. Uh, yeah, it's been a little while. I'm a couple weeks behind. I ended up getting sick and lost my voice for a little while. Uh, I got a little catching up to do. But we were working with the Zodiac Killer. I, I'm probably going to make this second episode the last part of the mini-series, I guess you can kind of call it. I don't know if it's a series with just two episodes, but uh, I'm basically going to brush through a couple things, and uh, it's not going to be a very long episode, I don't imagine. Um, There's a lot to cover, and I'm not going to lie, there's a lot that I'm just not going to cover. Just not. <laughs> I'll be honest, you know, I kind of want to get back to some of the spooky stuff that I'm more known for uh, with this podcast. Uh, and on top of that, I already have a game plan on another deep dive I'm going to do that'll probably be better than this one. At least that's the game plan, to be better than this one. I'm still kind of battling a little cough, so, you know, you might hear one or two here and there, but, uh, at least my voice is back, so that's good. Let's get back to the Zodiac Killer. October 11th, 1969, a white male passenger got into a cab driven by Paul Stein at the intersection of Mason and Geary Streets in uh, Presidio Heights. Stein drove one block past Maple to Cherry Street, and that's when the passenger shot Stein once in the head with a 9mm handgun, took Stein's wallet and car keys, and tore away a section of his bloodstained shirt. Now, there was three teenagers across the street, that had seen all of this happen. And keep in mind, this was 9.55 p.m. I don't know. <laughs> was it a school night? I mean, I, I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was summer. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> in fact, it wasn't summer. It was October, so. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, but 9.55 p.m. Uh, on a school night. Man, most parents would not be okay with their teenagers being outside. Uh, just walking around. Different time, different time. <laughs> At any rate, they seen all of this happen. They called the police while the crime was happening. The kids watched the man wipe down the cab. Then he walked away toward Presido, one block north, but two blocks away from the crime scene. Patrol officers Don Falk and Eric Zelms responded to the call. Did see a man walking east on Jackson Street and into a home on the north side of the street. Uh, it is an interesting note here that uh, there was a mix-up when uh, the description came across the scanner from the dispatcher. Um, he, the dispatcher, for whatever reason, said, look out for a black suspect. And that's not the description that these three kids gave to the police. They uh, specifically said... That it was a white male between the ages of 35 to 45, uh, approximately 5 feet 10 inches tall. And again, a white man. And the one officer did actually see a white man walking down the street in, into a house. I don't know how or why this uh, description got messed up the way it did. But that's what it is, so and again, I mean, even after it was corrected, I'm not sure why they didn't go back to said house that they seen this individual walking into after the fact. I, I'm not sure, but they did not, <laughs> so another missed opportunity uh, as far as I'm concerned, and that's uh, that, that's uh, 
pretty pretty messed up. That's a pretty big mistake on their part. At any rate, yeah, that's a huge mistake on their part. Um, <laughs> way to drop the ball there, you stupid dispatch guy or female. I'm not sure, but hey, way to drop the ball. Really, uh, really proud of you. Uh, so the Stein murder uh, was initially believed to be a routine robbery that had escalated into homicidal violence. However, on October 13th, the San Francisco Chronicle received a new letter from Zodiac that claimed credit for the killing and also contained uh, a torn section of Stein's bloody shirt to prove this fact. That would probably do it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, here's a letter, and then, hey, here's a little piece of evidence. <laughs> uh, the letter also included a threat about killing school children on a school bus. To do this, Zodiac wrote, just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. Like, I mean, I don't know how kids are going to bounce out of a school, uh, school bus, but I think I get the gist of what he's saying. And either way... Wow, that that is definitely taking shit to a whole new level at this point. I mean, it is just a threat, but it's still going way above and beyond where he's been already going. But I guess not, I guess not really. I mean, he's been killing teenagers anyway, so either way. <laughs> oh, man. So the three teens that witnessed uh, the killing of Stein did work with a police sketch artist and did uh come up with a sketch uh, <laughs> yeah um after the sketch over the years and it, it is not very specific on how many years uh but i gotta believe several several years they had investigated an estimate of 2500 suspects and that is a lot Definitely a lot. Now, there were other suspected victims of the Zodiac. And again, keep in mind, I mean, he did take credit for several other killings that the police have never officially linked him to. So, I mean, it's hard to say. Is he telling the truth? Is he just, you know, making shit up to make his uh, his run at serial killing seem worse than it actually was? And it was already bad enough to begin with, let's face it. There's no consensus on the number of victims that the Zodiac had or the length of his criminal spree because, again, never been charged, never been arrested for it. I mean, all they know is what he had admitted to in letters, so it's really hard to say. But uh, apparently, in the 1986 nonfiction book Zodiac, author Robert Graysmith published a list attributing 49 victims to the Zodiac. This list included some crimes which have either been entirely solved or whose links to the Zodiac have been completely discredited by investigators. Various other authors speculated at the time of the killings that several other high-profile murders and attacks may have been the work of the Zodiac, but none have been confirmed. Of course not. Why would they be confirmed? I mean, up to this point, I mean, he could have done it directly in front of them, and they still would not have confirmed it. I mean, 
that, that's just how it's coming across here. <laughs> uh, local historian Christy Hawthorne suggests that the Zodiac may have murdered 29-year-old cab driver Raymond Davis in Oceanside, California. I mean, he has officially murdered one cab driver. Why not another one? Davis has been shot, had been shot, uh, with a 22 caliber long rifle ammunition on April 9th, 1962, the day before the murder, an individual believed to be the culprit had phoned the Oceanside Police Department and told them, I am going to pull something here in Oceanside and you'll never be able to figure it out. A few days after the murder, the police received another call from who is presumed to be the same individual in which he told police details of the murder and said he would kill a bus driver next. Following Hawthorne's research, Oceanside police announced that they were looking into possible connections between the murder and um, murder and the Zodiac. Uh, hmm. I mean, that's kind of a... <laughs> little ominous a little bit, yeah, because, again, he has already killed one cab driver. Are they really going to say that it's possible that, you know, it was only one and only cab driver? I don't know. Uh, but, again, like, here, here's the thing. 22 caliber long rifle ammunition. Before, I mean, he's used 9mm, so is he switching it up? Is this maybe a copycat? Uh, I guess we won't know, really. I, I don't... <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I can I can see it switching up ammunition, switching up guns, you know, and throw them off the trail. But I do believe uh, earlier killings there were twenty-two caliber uh, ammunition used in previous killings, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, but again, guess we will never know. Uh, Bill Baker of the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office postulated that the 1963 murders of a young couple in northern Santa Barbara County might have also been the work of the Zodiac Killer. On June 4, 1963, high school senior, 18-year-old Robert George Domingos, Domingos, I don't know, I am sorry in advance, <laughs> probably going to butcher some names of people and places here, and his fiancée, 17-year-old Linda Faye Edwards, were shot on a beach near Lompoc. Having skipped school that day for senior ditch day, police believed that the assailant attempted to bind the victims, but when, the freed, when they freed themselves and attempted to flee, the killer shot them repeatedly in the back and chest with, again, a twenty-two caliber weapon. The killer then placed their bodies in a small, in a small shack and then tried unsuccessfully to burn the structure to the ground well killing people he can do starting a fire not so much little shocking little shocking to say the least <laughs> but at any rate i mean there has been plenty of balls being dropped around here uh with this case and all these uh other cases god this is terrible will somebody please stop it oh somebody needed to stop it that's for sure <laughs> moving on though uh bill baker of the santa barbara county sheriff's office i have already done that one i am an idiot <laughs> 
Sorry, guys, I got a little distracted and uh, got myself a little thrown off here. Uh, but again, yeah, another 22 caliber weapon here. So again, I ask, was it him or is this the work of somebody trying to portray his work? So there could be potentially a whole nother person getting away with these murders uh with new murders now uh under the assumption that it's the same person that being the zodiac killer again i got i don't know if we'll ever actually know for sure uh, there's a lot of stuff that's been just missed altogether apparently uh but again moving on on february 5th 1964 johnny ray swindle 19 and joyce ann swindle 19 a uh, newlywed couple from Alabama were gunned down while walking along Ocean Beach in San Diego, California, while on their honeymoon. Ooh, man. Now, it doesn't specify here how long from the day they got married until they went on their honeymoon, but I gotta believe probably not that much time in between. You know, uh, apparently most people do go on their honeymoon rather quickly after the the marriage so god you know that's that's terrible uh i feel for them and their family on that one you know you just get married go on your honeymoon next thing you know you're dead on a beach <laughs> wow and again um another 22 caliber ammo uh so yeah 22 caliber rifles shot them uh, apparently according to what what they state here their uh the killer was on a nearby cliff with this twenty two caliber rifle, shot them from a distance. Johnny remained alive for a few hours, uh despite bullet wounds to his back, left eye, left ear, and temple. Joyce died almost instantly after she was shot in the back, the left arm, and her head. The suspect then took Johnny's wallet uh, when he succumbed to his wounds and left the crime scene. The police speculated that the two were victims of a thrill killer. And Rita Swindle, Johnny's sister, has theorized that the murders might have been the earliest slayings of the Zodiac. And, uh, I mean... She might not be wrong. Uh, I almost feel like I'm in agreement with her. Uh, 22 caliber. He, maybe he was just just getting started. Um, getting a little practice in. Because, I mean, as far as I know, even these murders have not been solved. So, who fucking knows? But, I mean, I'm with her. I, I do believe that uh, she's onto something there with her theory. I'm 22 caliber. I mean, you know, again... Early states, he's kind of getting getting the motion going. Starting off with twenty two first, and go from there. Build it up, you know. But I could also see that, uh, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe initially the Zodiac was possibly um, a copycat killer of somebody else and just became a more efficient uh, serial killer. I guess that's also a possibility. Uh, that we might not ever know. Cherry Joe Bates. 
18, who was stabbed to death and nearly decapitated on October 30th, 1966 at River City College in Riverside. Bates possibly connection, uh, Bates's possible connection to the Zodiac only appeared four years after her murder when San Francisco Chronicle reporter Paul Avery received a tip regarding similarities between the Zodiac killings and the circumstances that surrounded Bates's death. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Could have all been part of the whole same uh, practice run, uh, practice killings, if you will. It's a good possibility. June 8th, 1967, Dean Molina Martinez, 35, and Furman Rodriguez, 36, were attacked and murdered at around 10 p.m. on Velocitos uh, Road in Almadia County, Alameda County. Uh, again, sorry, uh, some of these names... Um, Obviously not very common. I'm not from the area, so I'm not exactly sure of the pronunciations of them. I'm trying trying to get close. <laughs> if I failed, I am sorry. But at any, at any rate, <laughs> while they were relaxing in their vehicle, a stranger approached them and told them to get out of the car. Furman was shot as he exited the car, and this really, really sounds... Um, Super similar to something earlier in the first episode. Uh, uh, well, as far as the Zodiac Killer episodes go. Uh, yeah, um, very similar deaths here. Uh, exited the car, uh, and the killer abducted Endine, uh, leaving Rodriguez dead beside Molina's car. Uh, the killer then stopped by the entrance of Sonol Regional Wilderness uh, Preserve where Andine tried to escape. The abductor then shot her twice in the back, killing her instantly before driving off. Shortly after, a nearby resident called the Santa Rita Police Substation to report two gunshots. Officers found Andine's Andine's lifeless body at 11 p.m. Authorities then discovered her car parked on Velocitos Road, where they found the body of Furman. He had been shot twice in the front, once in the chest, and once in the shoulder. The weapon again, twenty-two caliber. Rape and, ro- uh, rape and robbery was ruled out as a motive. The murders occurred close to Pleasanton, California, where the Zodiac mailed a letter in March 1971 to the Los Angeles Times newspaper. I mean, clearly he was in the area. I can see how this could definitely be his work. But again, we have no actual confirmation on this. This is just speculation at this point. But I would not doubt it. I would not doubt it at all. And again, I mean, 1971, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was already definitely doing his thing around... 1971, he was definitely already on the scene, you know, late 80, or late 80, uh, late 60s, (laughs) Jesus, Uh, see what happens when I take two weeks off. (laughs) So, moving on, (laughs) 
On February 21, 1970, John Franklin Hood, 24, who had served decorated time in Vietnam in the 64th Armored Division, and uh, his fiancée, Sandra Garcia, 20, who worked in the California Department of Motor Vehicles, and was also a Bishop High School graduate and Santa Barbara City College student, visited each East Beach in Santa Barbara, California, uh, the couple were discovered uh, the following day laying face down on their blanket. Obviously, they were picnicking. Hood suffered, uh, suffered 11 knife wounds, the majority inflicted to his face and back, uh, with Garcia receiving the brunt of the vicious attack, leaving her almost unrecognizable. The bone-handled four-inch fish knife used in their murder was retrieved from underneath the blanket, partially buried in the sand. There appeared to be no sexual interference, and a robbery was ruled out as well. Uh, the double murder bore many similarities to the previous murders of Domingos and Edwards, 30 miles west of the attack and seven years prior, as well as the Lake Peressa attack, on Hartnell and Shepard, which was very brutal, and yeah, absolutely similar uh, circumstances here. Kathleen Johns. I almost said Jones, but it's not Jones, it's Johns. <laughs> uh, 22 was allegedly abducted on March 22, 1970, on Highway 132 near I-580. In an area west of Modesto, Johns escaped from the car of a man who drove her and her infant daughter around the area between Stockton and Patterson for approximately an hour and a half. Oh, wow. I mean, that right there, that's scary. And she had an infant baby with her. Um, I can only assume she got out of the car with her infant. I mean, one can hope for sure. On June 19th, 1970, 25-year-old police sergeant Richard Philip or Rich Raditic or Raditich, not really sure of which it is, could be either or, not really sure. So yeah, um, I do really believe that uh, there's too many similarities for it to maybe not be him. And again, I mean, who knows, maybe he started off. As a killer that was mocking somebody else and just became better at it. So that is also something that I have thought about throughout this. Um, on February 21st, uh, on February 21st, 1970, John Franklin Wood, 24. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Did it again. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was over here. Uh, Richard Philip Rich Reditic or Reditich. Not sure which um, it is, but it's got to be one of those two. <laughs> was gunned down by three shots from a 38 caliber revolver at point blank range through the driver's side of his vehicle while in the process of serving a parking ticket on the 600 block of Waller Street in the Height or Hate Ashbury District of San Francisco, California, police investigated a possible link to the Zodiac who alluded 
to his responsibility for the crime in taunting notes to authorities. However, no direct evidence has ever been established between Redditics or Redditich's uh, death and the Zodiac. So again, not strong confirmation there, but you know, most likely it was him. And again, change of ammo. Um, another change up of a weapon. So, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess I kind of see how they're on the fence about it being possibly him. You know, he keeps changing ammo, he keeps changing guns. I mean, or is it just a whole another person in general? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but, I mean, he did allude to it um, in, in letters. Uh, clearly, he had some uh, knowledge that most people probably didn't have about that incident. So, yeah, maybe it was him. Uh, Donna and Lass, 25, was last seen September 6, 1970. In State Line, Nevada. Now we're moving states. <laughs> a postcard bearing an advertisement for Forest Pines condominiums near Incline Village at Lake Tahoe. Pasted on the back was received at the uh, Chronicle on March 22, 1971. No evidence has been uncovered to connect Lass's disappearance with the Zodiac Killer. So, that was just a quick rundown of uh, some of the possible victims that could potentially be, you know, the Zodiac Killer's victims. Uh, Again, I mean, some of them definitely sound like it could be a couple of them, eh, you know, possibility of somebody else. But, I don't know, man. I personally feel like they... uh, (laughs) Yeah, they they probably are all connected to him somehow. To be completely brutally honest about it, they probably are connected somehow to him. Now, there was uh, (laughs) other potentially related serial murders known as the astrological murders. But to be fair, I do believe that this was definitely a copycat killer of of that time, um, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm probably not going to cover that, but there there were some killings, you know, listed as the astro- astrological murders. I firmly believe that this was definitely uh, a copycat that was also, as far as I know, never captured, which is why they feel like it was him to begin with. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was also the Santa Rosa Hitchhiker Murders which the Zodiac was also suspected of being the proprietor, uh, perpetrator, wow, <laughs> the perpetrator uh, for as well, and in which at least seven female hitchhikers were all murdered in Sonoma County and Santa Rosa in 1972 and 1973. The suspicion was based upon similarities between an unknown symbol on his... January 29th, 1974, Exorcist Letter to the San Francisco Chronicle, in which he claims 37 victims, which we did kind of discuss a little bit uh, in the beginning of this series, and the Chinese characters on the missing soy barrel carried by victim Kim Allen, as well as stating an intention to vary his modus Apprehendi, 
in an earlier November 9, 1969 letter to the San Francisco Chronicle, I shall no longer announce to anyone when I commit my murders. They shall look like routine robberies, killings of anger, plus a few take accident, etc. Uh, or fake accidents. I'm, I don't know what the hell I'm... Wow. Uh, plus a few fake accidents, etc. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's basically setting it up to, to say, hey, you know, like, there's gonna be similar murders, uh, either rope them in with me or don't, I don't care, um, it could either be me, it could be somebody else, I don't know. Um, I, you know, that's another thing, though, is I'm almost feeling like that this is also another part of, um, copycat, but no, no proof behind that, it's just speculation, my speculation. So, in October 27th, 1970 chronicle reporter paul avery uh he is the one that had been covering the whole case of the zodiac received a halloween card signed with the letter z and the zodiac's cross circle symbol handwritten inside the card was the note peekaboo you are doomed that's not ominous at all huh i mean if i was him i wouldn't even worry about it he's probably fine Probably okay. <laughs> Avery, uh, I'm sure freaked out, you know, seeing this. The threat was taken seriously and was the subject of a front page story in the Chronicle. Soon after receiving the letter, Avery received an anonymous letter alerting him to the similarities between the Zodiac's activities and the unsolved murder of Cherry Joe Bates which had occurred four years earlier at the City College in Riverside in the greater Los Angeles area, more than 400 miles south of San Francisco. Avery reported his findings in the Chronicle on November 16, 1970. And I don't know if anything ever came of it because, uh, yeah, it's still part of the unsolved uh, murders. So I would assume probably nothing came of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a final letter from the Zodiac. After the Lake Tahoe card, the Zodiac remained silent for nearly three years. The Chronicle then received a letter from the Zodiac postmarked January 29, 1974, praising the Exorcist as the best citrical committee that I uh, have ever seen. The letter included a sniper of verse, a snippet of a verse. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> My God, this is terrible. Will somebody please stop it? <laughs> oh, this is what happens. You get sick, you take two weeks off. It's it's a train wreck, guys. <laughs> ah, the letter included a snippet of a verse from the Mikado, or Mikado, I'm not sure, and an unusual symbol at the bottom that has remained unexplained by researchers. Zodiac concluded the letter with a new source, or new score, I mean. Me equals 37. SFPD equals zero. Oh, uh, that's basically just him saying, hey, I got 37 kills, you have zero arrests. That's exactly what that's uh, equaling up to there. <laughs> but that was the final letter from the Zodiac. In April 2004, San Francisco Police Department marked the case inactive. Citing caseload pressure and resource demands, effectively closing the case. However, they reopened their case 
sometime before March 2007. This case is open in Napa County and in the city of Riverside as well. In May 2018, the Vallejo Police Department announced their intention to attempt to collect the Zodiac Killer's DNA from the back of stamps he had used during his correspondence. That's actually pretty smart. Why didn't they fucking think of that sooner? The analysis by a private laboratory was expected to check the DNA against GD match. It was hoped the Zodiac Killer may be caught in a similar fashion to the Golden State Killer, Joseph James D'Angelo. In May 2018, a Vallejo police detective said that results were expected in several weeks as of a October 2022, no results have been reported. Huh. Hmm. Wow. I mean, you know, that's that, that hurts right there, you know, like all this DNA and you could not come up with a match. There's been nothing said about the uh, DNA, man. Like, I don't know, man. I, I guess, <laughs> I guess it is what it is. So now I do know that and I think I briefly brought this up in in the first episode of this. There was one uh, person ever formally named, officially named, uh, as a suspect of being Zodiac. He was, in fact, a, uh, I want to say elementary school teacher. I know he was a teacher of some sort, but his name was Arthur Leigh Allen. And he did die back in 1992. But they never had any kind of evidence to suggest that it was him. So, I'm pretty sure they're aware now that it wasn't him to begin with. Because, very recently, they did, however, name somebody else that they feel. And, I mean, it wasn't exactly like the actual police named this guy. Um, It was a group that have named this guy as the, the Zodiac. Um, they, they strongly believe it's him. In October 2021, the Casebreakers, which is the name of this group, claiming to be a team of over 40 cold case investigators composed a former law enforcement investigation uh, or and composed of <laughs> former law enforcement investigators. Wow. Military intelligence officers and journalists claim to I- have identified the Zodiac Killer as Gary Francis Post, who has also died back in 2018 at the age of 80. The team claimed to have uncovered forensic evidence and photos from Post's darkroom and noted that scars on Post's forehead matched those they said were described on the killer. They also claimed that removing the letters of Post's name from one of Zodiac's cryptograms revealed an alternate message. The FBI subsequently uh, stated that the case remained open and there is no new information to report. While local law enforcement expressed skepticism to the Chronicle, Regarding the team's findings, Riverside Police Officer Ryan Railsback 
said the casebreaker's claims largely relied on circumstantial evidence, and Arthur Tom Vaught, a Zodiac killer investigator, called the claims bullshit. Just flat-out bullshit. And on top of that, <laughs> which I, you know, honestly, I have to fucking believe, or I have to not, not only believe this, I have to actually go with this, because I strongly feel the same as this guy. Uh, Vaught noted that no witnesses in the case described Zodiac as having scars on his forehead. Out of everything I've read, anybody that gave a description never mentioned anything about scars. Um anywhere on him uh, especially his forehead so that's who they're naming uh again the guy's dead so i'm not really sure uh unless he comes i mean you still gotta also think man there's still the handprint that they got years before on, on a payphone um that, that that hand that palm print that they still never matched to nobody uh it does make me wonder it really does so, I mean, there, there's over the years been so many people that they have described as suspects uh, to the case. <laughs> and, I mean, honestly, when you look at the picture of uh, of Gary Francis Post and you compare that to the sketch that uh, the three teenagers did work with uh, the sketch artist to, to create, it does look very similar. Um, you know, Gary Francis Post does look very, very similar to that sketch. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it is him. But again, nothing's ever actually confirmed it. There's been no clear link to him and the Zodiac. And again, the man's dead. So, I, I don't know. This is one I don't know if they're ever going to crack. Uh, that was probably their closest right there. And uh, I, I, I would like to see them actually finally close this out with a, a confirmed suspect. Uh, but, I mean, again, just going off of the, the picture of Gary Francis Post and that sketch, pretty similar for sure. So, again, who knows? Who knows? And I am going to wrap it up here. That will do it for the Zodiac Killer. Again, I do apologize for the delay. I was put behind for two weeks uh, due to illness that I lost my voice on. I do apologize. I, I will probably be dropping another episode rather quickly and then go back to posting them on Wednesdays as usual because I need to catch up. I am a little behind, so I have to try to catch up. So please, you know, follow, like, subscribe, all that. You know, give, give me a rating. My show can be found on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Podcast Index, Listen Notes, Pandora, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. Also, you can uh, follow me on my other show as well. The show is called The Dumbest Podcast on Your Desk with Manny McDoucherson and myself, Clayton Keg. Also, check that show out. Um, you know, give us a follow, a like, uh, give us a rating. You know, just let us know. Let us know. If we're doing all right. And uh, you can also, you know, get a hold of me on, for this show on Tapping the Keg. Uh, the email address for Tapping the Keg is tappingthekegpodcast at gmail.com. Please send me in any questions, stories that you might want to hear me read uh, or potentially mess up. <laughs> um, 
you know, send me some kind of comments, anything, man. Send me something. Uh, let me know. You know, if there's something I could do differently, let me know. You know, I, it's it's a learning process for me. I, I'm still overall new to the podcasting game, so I, I'm, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting better. Um, still a lot to learn. Definitely a lot to learn. Uh, so, yeah, again, <laughs> tapping the keg podcast at gmail.com. Please send me something, anything, and I will be seeing you guys very shortly. Again, I got some catching up to do. And again, catch me on t- uh, the dumbest podcast on your desk with Manny McDooserson and me, Clayton Keg. Thank you for joining me today on uh, Tapping the Keg. I will see you guys really, really soon. <laughs>